The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning, April the 28th, 2022. It is 7.02 on your Tucson Thursday. Glad to be back with you. Glad to be, uh, well, just quite frankly with my with my face, not in a, uh, in a toilet bowl any longer because the 24-hour flu hit me hard, it hit me fast, and it was, wow, was that brutal. I know there's a lot of people dealing with it right now. Um, the uh the the messages on facebook and twitter and uh the socials and stuff like that were uh were you know interesting uh, you know people have been telling me that oh yeah our kids had stuff sent home from school you know letters from the school saying there's something going around it's really bad for like a day or two and then it goes away and and i've talked to a bunch of friends who have had it so hopefully uh if you're listening right now you currently don't have it um it is horrible and uh, I, I thought it was food poisoning until I got a fever, and the fever spiked, like, really high. And I'm like, what is going on? And then I went on the social medias, and people were like, oh, my God, this flu is terrible. And, yeah, there was, so there it is. So, yeah, so hopefully you're feeling well. Hopefully uh, all everyone in your family is feeling well. Hopefully you guys don't get this thing because it is brutal. It's like a, like a 24-hour walking flu, and it is nasty. So beware out there, folks. It's the, you know, our, all of our—I think all of our immune systems are a little bit compromised because we've been wearing masks for the last two years, right? Like, I mean, we've been avoiding contact from people. We, people have been sheltering in place. People have locked themselves indoors. A lot of the uh, public spaces and stuff have been closed off to people. And help. I mean, parks and things like that, and things outside. And uh, you know, just you know, more people are using the you know the convenience uh you know services like instacart and doordash and of course amazon their you know their stock is through the roof right now because everybody's buying stuff on amazon so you know we we're limiting our contact with other humans which is going to lower our it's going to it's going to lower our uh, you know our ability to fight off the uh, the sicknesses and all the things that we become introduced to so any little thing you get introduced to it's like yes and it just attacks you, and your body's like, what is this? So um, basically what I'm saying is get out there and be with people, folks. That's what it's all about. And it's, I know sometimes people suck, and I get it, and it happens quite often in our daily lives. But still got to be around. You can't shut yourself off forever. Don't be a hermit. All right? Don't go off and live in your cabin in the forest and, and grow a long beard and you know, be old and crotchety and grizzly and stuff like that. You don't want to do that. You gotta, we got a lot of sports to enjoy, including the NFL draft, which is tonight. It's finally here. It's like Christmas Day, Christmas morning, whatever have you. I was trying to explain this to a friend who, um, she, you know, she's not very sports savvy. She didn't pay attention, you know, to, to sports too much. Um, and she was like, well, what do you mean, like, Christmas Day? Like, when, like Christmas Day for, for sports fans. Like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I go, it's the day that, that – all the NFL teams get like get a new present, like a present that they you know maybe weren't expecting or whatever. I go, but the great thing is, is like you get to pick your own present. And she's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> so then she was like, then she's on board. She said, Tell me more. Tell me more of this. So uh, look, it's it's a it's a wonderful day. I love I love NFL Draft Day. Um, I it, it's it's been a different kind of 
off season, not only for for me, but it's been a, one of the most unprecedented, maybe the most unprecedented uh, off season anybody has ever seen in the NFL, with the amount of player movement and trades and discord and I mean just so much, so much going on. Player, uh, you know, player involved, you know, news going on in this off season. There's been you know tragedy. There's uh, there's been so much. Uh, it has been a wild, wild off season. It's all culminating tonight in day one of the NFL draft. I'll have a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of stuff for you today on that regarding the mock drafts. I always like to look at the final Kuiper versus McShay mock draft on like on draft day and just try to compare. Uh, you know the top ten or whatever, or if there's any surprises that they have in there. This year, there's been years – in years past, there has been a lot of differences. I mean, obviously, that's what you're going to get when you have two different uh, opinions and minds and things like that working. And both of these guys are insiders. I mean, they talk with NFL scouts and GMs and coaches and things like that, and they, they have their contacts that they speak with. But they also are guys who evaluate the talent themselves. And, you know, I know – Mel has been doing it ever since his dad taught him how to do it, you know, four decades ago, five decades ago. And so he's been doing it like this for, for a long, long time. McShay is kind of the newer guy, uh, the new kid on the blog. And even though he's been doing it a while, he's nowhere nearly as experienced as, as Mel Kuyper, which is why I always kind of tend to side with Mel on his decisions and his uh, predictions and, and his assessments of uh, the college players and things like that at, at that level. And, I mean, honestly, they both do a great job. So it's always good to kind of compare the two because they are the top of their craft. I don't think that there's a look. There are a ton of analysts out there that people like to go to, whether it's like Daniel Jeremiah or Bucky Brooks, and you know, there's so many other guys. And you know, Mike Mayock was that guy for a long time for the NFL for NFL.com. You know, he was he was the guy that you know, their draft guru. And you know, Mayo did a great job, and I I know Mayo, and uh, you know, this, he's taught me a lot over the years <laughs> to be honest with you um so you know, there's a lot of guys you can turn to but I, I think you know ESPN's got those two guys on lock and and I just I've I think the world of Mel Kuyper I think he's he's just been doing it for so so long it's just second nature to him he, he, he just it's just so natural to him and um so it's always fun to kind of compare those two now in years past you know there's always been that which quarterback is going to be taken number one overall because that's kind of you know it's kind of the way it's been recently this year it's like, will we even get two quarterbacks drafted in the first round, and how far will the first one drop? There, there is. I, I think I saw one mock draft earlier this week that had uh, the first quarterback being taken at number thirty-two, and that's because a team traded up into the first round to get. I think I think they had the Lions drafted trading up to get Malik Willis in the first round at number 32 where they they didn't they previously didn't have a pick. Um so that would be interesting. I don't think that's going to happen. But I don't think I don't think we're definitely not getting a quarterback taken in the top 10. I don't think any teams in the top 10 are interested in these quarterbacks and I don't think there's any team from 11 to 32 that are sitting there going we got to find a way to get into the top 10 to draft one of these quarterbacks. There's I don't think anybody's really kind of that in love with anybody. I'll also offer my prediction of who I think the best quarterback prospect is in this draft. And my answer may surprise you. It may be different than uh, some of the other uh, prospects and, and names that you've heard as far as people 
picking who they think is going to be the best quarterback in this draft. So I'll have a fun a fun couple of segments here on the NFL draft for you coming up. Uh, we'll do the Kuiper and McShay mocks. We'll talk specifically about the Arizona Cardinals, what their needs are, what they could be doing with the number 23 overall pick, some of the rumors that have been bandied about for the Cardinals, whether it be defensive line, wide receiver, I don't. I mean, they they need help in several areas, and we'll talk about that, of course, coming up. Because I think they could use a corner, they could use a defensive tackle. I think, like in, in like their dream scenario would be to get one of the top two defensive tackles in this draft. If they can get one of the top two defensive tackles in this draft, they would be smitten. Uh, they would be completely overjoyed. They also need a guard, but we'll start breaking down the Arizona Cardinals and their needs and such like that, and what you could be looking for out of the Cardinals tonight. Coming up uh, with, uh, with with the first round of the NFL draft, we'll talk about that a little bit later. I'll also give some surprise predictions, teams that I think are potentially ready to move up into the draft because there's somebody or a specific position they're targeting or trying to get ahead of another team to do. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about all that coming up in, uh, in, a couple, uh, in a couple minutes here as we start to get into the NFL draft. The NBA playoffs, obviously still going on, round one, for a couple of teams has been uh, has been secured as the Milwaukee Bucks get their win last night then they send the Bulls fishing for the summer and they'll be facing the Boston Celtics in round 2 that's going to be one hell of a series Celtics and Bucks now it would be even a a much more impressive series if the Bucks were going in there with their full accoutrement of players but Chris Middleton uh, Chris Middleton is not going to be with the Milwaukee Bucks for their second round of the playoffs in fact based on the projections and such made by doctors and surgeons that you know specialize in these types of injuries it's a grade two MCL sprain um, that he would not be ready until most likely the NBA finals so he is more than likely to miss the next two series which is an entire month basically um, of time with the Milwaukee Bucks. Do they have that much time without Chris Middleton, their number two scorer behind Giannis Antetokounmpo? So uh, that's going to be a rough uh, a, a rough go for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they've still got it in them to beat the Boston Celtics even without Chris Middleton because if you watch the Bucks play in these you know in these few games that they did not have, <coughs> pardon me, and they didn't have Chris Middleton, I thought the ball movement was actually better. Like. A lot of times when Chris Middleton, I don't want to call him a black hole because he's not that bad. It's not that obvious of a of a ball hogging situation. But a lot of times when you, as soon as you pass the ball to Chris Middleton, everything just kind of stops. Motion stops. Everything kind of stops while he figures out what he's going to do. And I'm not taking anything away from him. He's a very good player. He's an Olympian. He's a gold medal winner. Uh, and and he is a fantastic player. And in, in the finals last year, the Milwaukee Bucks don't win that championship without Chris Middleton. I guarantee you that much. Um, he is a very, very, very good player. But I think certain, you know, certain moments in the offense when he catches the ball, it's just like everything stops, everything comes to a halt, and the offense slows down. And I think watching the Bucks over the last couple of games, the ball movement was a little bit better. It was more indicative of their final. Uh, you know, the final few months of the season where they were averaging like 130 points a game where they were just running roughshod all over everyone. So um, it'll be interesting to see what that series looks like because you've got strength on strength. You've got a great offense even without one of their best shooters versus the best uh, best defense in the NBA. So going to be looking forward to that. But other than that, we're still waiting to find out what's going to happen with every other series other than the series that were cold, you know, closed out last night, obviously. Um 
you know the the you know we're waiting on essentially on the um on the the matchups is you know what we're going to be waiting for so we'll have uh we'll have a little bit of look ahead for that but you know the warriors they grind out their win over the nuggets last night they finally put the nuggets away put the nuggets out of their misery the nuggets got that proverbial you know one game out there you know and and you know I, I don't say as a gift. They certainly earned it. I let Nikola Jokic played his ass off in that game. But, you know, last night it, it, they just – the Warriors made it a a, a real grind on on the Joker. Um, and they basically said, you're going to have to beat us with the other four guys. And they just bracketed him and double teamed him. And any time he got the ball anywhere near the basket, it was hack city. Um, and so they like, kind of grinded it out last night. They get the series win, the gentleman's sweep, if you will, the 4-1 victory over the uh, the Denver Nuggets, and they move on. They're still waiting to see who they're going to face in that winner of the uh, the Minnesota and Memphis series, which has been so fun. And I didn't even get a chance to talk about John Morant on uh, yesterday's show. Of course, so thanks, uh, thank Justin for uh, for filling in for me. Appreciate uh, Justin Spears for for uh, coming in here, and he'll be uh, he'll actually be filling in for me next Wednesday as well. I'm going to be out next Wednesday. I've got a, a late event on Tuesday night with the Fiesta Bowl. And uh, so Justin's going to be filling in for me Wednesday morning. So that's always good. It's, it's great to have Justin on the, uh, on the show and uh, thankful that he is able to fill in for me when, uh, when I'm unable to now. So he's made himself available, and we appreciate that. He does a great job. So <clears throat> the game, obviously the Phoenix Suns are going to be playing tonight. We're going to have a full breakdown of, of what's going on in that series and how I think tonight's game is going to go or this afternoon's game is going to go. Of course, you can listen to it right here on ESPN Tucson. Now, the the you know the seventy sixers had that early three zero lead on the Raptors, right? And I look, I actually picked the Raptors to win that series. And after watching the first three games, I was like, they're dead. They can't they can't do anything. They can't stop the seventy sixers from scoring. They don't have any real efficient scoring on you know on themselves. They're missing a ton of wide open shots. They're not able to secure a lot of loose balls. And then everything kind of changed in game four. And they fought hard and got a big victory to stave off elimination against the 76ers. And then they come out in game five and just take the Sixers out to the woodshed and just whooped them good. It, it's just something that's looming out there, okay, because it, it's obviously it's, it's never happened before. So it's something that's looming. And we talk about it any time. A team is up 3-0 and loses game five, uh, or a game four, rather, and potentially game five. We've talked about it. You know, the media talks about it when I say we. The fact that no team in NBA history has ever come down, got, you know, come back from 3-0, down 3-0 in a series to win that series. Obviously, the NBA Finals with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors, Cavaliers down 3-1 in that series, came back to win. They won three in a row, which was unprecedented as well. But it just doesn't this, – these things don't happen in the NBA. NHL happens all the time. All the time it happens in the NHL where a team down 3-0, you know, it's – you know, it's it, it's we see it a lot. We, like, just like we also see a lot of eight seeds. Like, well, we started reseeding the NHL playoffs the way they do now. But we saw a lot of eight seeds beat one seeds in the Stanley Cup playoffs in history. Uh, we've also seen baseball series where a team is down 3-0 and come back to win the series. Obviously, the Red Sox and Yankees, that whole thing that, that, uh, that started that whole trend of that happening. So it's never happened in the history of the NBA. And the 76ers are sitting there looking at themselves like, they've got to be looking at themselves now like, are we going to be it? Is, are we going to be the ones 
who let that happen because <laughs> Toronto has kind of taken control of this series. Now, I'm not saying the series is over, that it's completely swung into, into Toronto's favor, but I feel like confidence-wise, certainly, they have taken control of that series. Now they're going to be playing at home, final, you know, final chance to play in front of their home crowd if they don't, you know, if they don't win this series, obviously. Uh, and, I, look, I think Toronto wins tonight. That game's at 4 o'clock. I think Toronto wins the game today, today, you know, tonight, whatever. And then game seven, it's it, it, look, no holds barred, just like we, we always say. In, in, a, in a playoff series, game seven, you throw everything out the window, any kind of convention, any trends, you, you just throw them right out the window because it is players and coaches throwing the kitchen sink uh, onto the court, onto the ice, onto the field, onto the diamond, whatever have you. And it's you, you just you can't count on anything that's happened previously, even in the series. Um, and that's what's great about Game Sevens, regardless of whether it's for an NBA championship or you know for an ultimate World Championship, or if it's just to escape the first round against the team. That's what makes Game Sevens so great. So I I, I do believe that Toronto is going to force that Game Seven tonight. Uh, and they, you know, they'll be knocking on the door, the first team ever to uh, to be down three zero or zero three, I should say, and uh, and come back and win that series by winning four four in a row. And listen, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and say I told you so. I told you so. I knew it was gonna be a tough series, and I didn't care that Matisse Thybul wasn't gonna get to play in Toronto. They weren't playing him in the home games either, so it wasn't a big deal. They were preparing for that. I just look over there at that head coach that they've got in Philadelphia. And, look, Doc is starting to sweat, too. He's starting to sweat. He's been asked about it by the media now after after the previous two games. Do you feel the weight of previous playoff letdowns weighing you down now and stuff like that? And he's like, I don't feel Listen, after a certain amount of time, you begin to develop a a moniker. A, a stigma, a stereotype, whatever have you. What, you know, what, you know, whatever, whatever you know, walk or whatever word you want to use. The the stigma around Doc around Doc Rivers as a head coach is that he just he he, he puckers like he can't he can't get big wins out of his teams. <laughs> Tonight is about as big a win as you can possibly imagine for him right now because listen if you go to Game Seven. After being up 3-0, you're in big trouble. I don't care if you're playing in front of your home crowd or not. You're in big trouble because Toronto's figured you out. And Nick Nurse has done a phenomenal job. I love that, by the way. It's Doc versus Nurse. I always thought that was a, a great – I don't remember who, who made that uh, perception, uh, observation first, but I, it's, it's fantastic. I love it. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's the elephant in the room for the Philadelphia 76ers, for Doc Rivers. And they lose tonight, and I think they will. That you know that collar starts getting real tight around the neck for Doc Rivers. So we will uh, we will continue to look at that and see what happens. I know the Sixers are favored in the game tonight. I think that the Raptors win. Uh, I think it'll be a, obviously a close game as we've seen a lot in these NBA playoffs. But I like the Raptors in that game tonight. The Dallas Mavericks and the Utah Jazz. They're going to be having Game Six tonight. The Dallas Mavericks have really fought the Jazz hard in this series, even without. Uh, the likes of Luka Doncic in the first couple of games of this series, and he's come back. And really, it's been the Mavericks' defense that has been the the game changer in this series. The Mavericks' defense has been absolutely otherworldly uh, against the Utah Jazz. They have found ways to put 
every Utah offensive player in uncomfortable positions offensively. They have just done a fantastic job. Of, and, and look, credit Jason Kidd and his staff for the job that they've done in, in you know, being able to scheme the hell out of the Utah Jazz. And, uh, and look, and they've done a great job offensively too, basically negating Rudy Gobert uh, as, you know, the great defensive player. Now, Utah kind of fired back. They started to they, they started to ask a little bit more of Rudy Gobert, right? In the last game, we saw him guarding the perimeter and things, so they've asked him a little bit more, kind of looking more like like what we see out of DeAndre Ayton in the shell defense that Monty Williams employs with the Phoenix Suns. They've asked Rudy Gobert to go out and do a little bit more, and he's been effective. He's you know, Obviously, he's one of the best defensive players in the league. But uh, I give a lot of credit to what Jason Kidd has done. I, I thought the Utah Jazz were going to win that series easily, especially without the likes of Luka. And right now, the Mavericks are on the precipice of taking out the Utah Jazz. That game's in Salt Lake City. That game will be tonight following the Suns-Pelicans game um, right around 7 o'clock or so is when that game will tip off. So lots of NBA action tonight. And, of course, as the aforementioned Phoenix Suns and New Orleans Pelicans game, we will talk about that coming up in a little bit as well. But lots of NFL to get into. NFL Draft Day 1. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. We are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Don't forget... We got those Chris Rock tickets to give away today as well. Be listening for your cue to call. That can happen at any point in time within the next hour and a half of today's show. We're out of here in 90 minutes. But uh, I've got a pair of tickets to give away to go see Chris Rock at the Ava Amphitheater at Casino del Sol, his Ego Death World Tour, World Tour 2022. Easier for me to say. So we've got a pair of tickets to give away. We've been giving, t- we've given away tickets all week. And we'll have another pair to give away today. So be listening for your cue to call for that. All right, so the Arizona Cardinals. We'll get into you know before we do the draft and everything. I'll tell you a little bit of the news if if you know if you weren't aware. But yesterday, you know, after a completely, you know, I don't know, turbulent. I guess is the the word the, the operative word to use there. Uh, off season between Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they may be feeling a little bit better towards one another as the Arizona Cardinals have exercised the fifth year option on. Kyler Murray's contract for the final season. Um, look, th- this is you know this was not a surprise. It wasn't like ooh oh they my gosh they exercised the option. Everything must be great. Look, this is you know this is what teams do with high first round picks. At, you know at the, at the end of their third year, going into their their third year, they exercise the option as long as that player is in good standing with the team. Exercise the option of the fifth year, pay him you know what they're what they're due. Um, under that current rookie contract. Now, the guaranteed portion of Kyler's salary for the 2023 season will be $29.7 million. However, that is not enough for Kyler Murray and his people, and they want more. They want not only do they, you know, they want more security. Obviously, they want more years. They want him to be an Arizona Cardinal to 2026 uh, or 2027, but they also want more 
you know, oh, just overall more, more money throughout the rookie contract. They feel like he's outperformed it, whatever. You were the number one overall pick. Uh, you, you know, I think you've performed right at what you're expected to perform at in regards to where you're picked. And the Arizona Cardinals have certainly done a fine job, and people can say what they want, but I think the Cardinals have done a fine job by putting pieces around him where they could. Uh, you know, they had to spend some money in certain areas, and, you know, that was not going to help the offensive side of the ball, but they went out and they made the trade for DeAndre Hopkins. They went out and signed A.J. Green as free agent. They went out and made a deal with Zach Ertz and then re-signed him in the offseason. They went out and got a high-priced center in Rodney Hudson, who started 12 games for the Cardinals last year. You know, they've done, you know, they drafted Rondell Moore in the second round of, of the draft to give him a, you know, a get-off guy, a slot guy that can, that can get off. So they had, you know, he and Christian Kirk both on the field at the same time in several occasions, you know, a chance to, to you know, somebody to you know, give the ball to for Kyler Murray. So they've done a fine job of putting pieces around him for him to succeed, and he has succeeded. He's done, he's done very well. He was in the, you know, in the discussion. He was one of the top two or three players in the league last year for 10 weeks in terms of the MVP voting. And the Arizona Cardinals were the, had the best record in football for about nine, ten weeks last year. And then kind of things fell apart, as we've seen them do, under Cliff Kingsbury in the past. So, you know, the whole thing with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals, it, it, something, it, it's going to get done one way or another. Uh, I don't see this being, a, you know, a violent separation or, uh, you know, a lot of animosity between the two sides. I, I feel like, you know, this was just merely the first step in what is a process. And, you know, like they always say, respect the process. And there's a process in the NFL. There's a process at your corporate job, your day-to-day job. There's a process in your family, you know, your, your every day at home. Respect the process. These are, these, are, these are how we do our business around here. This is how we go about our lives. And the, the NFL has the exact same thing. Like these guys work in these front offices, have worked for other teams and other franchises and other coaches and other owners and such, and it's, it's all done very, very similarly. There's a reason for that because it's a model that works. And players try to buck that that model. They try to buck that trend, and that's fine. And sometimes you make enough noise to where you can make a change in your life. And then you end up on a team with no talent, and then you wonder why you're not winning football games. So, <laughs> like I say, folks, you can't have it both ways. You can be paid a lot of money and win football games. Or you can be paid an exorbitant amount of money and not win football games. It's up to you. That's 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 basically where you're at in any any league that has a salary cap, right? If you in baseball, you can make a boatload of money and win a championship. Like everybody on the team can make a boatload of money and win a championship. It doesn't happen all the time. I mean, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, you know, they don't win every year, right? Thankfully, otherwise that would completely break Major League Baseball. But, uh, you know, every once in a while it does happen. But in, in salary cap leagues, you got two choices. You can either make a lot of money and win games, or you can make a really, really, really lot of money and forget about winning championships. Because it's just guys who are the top paid at their, at their position just don't win championships. They get paid off of usually winning the championship previously, a la Russell Wilson. Uh, or I mean, I give you the list. I mean, how many people can we put on that list? But uh, I, I don't, I can't think other than maybe Patrick Mahomes. But hit, remember, his his uh, his contract was really friendly for the first two years when they made him the highest paid player in league history, and they won the championship. So, um, 
it doesn't happen very often. It, it, it doesn't, you know, it's not like these guys, these kind of situations just grow on trees in the NFL. All right. Speaking of growing on trees, there's been a bunch of guys growing in college football that will take their next step in their careers. We'll talk about the NFL draft, the mock drafts. Who's going to go number one overall? The Jacksonville Jaguars. Do they go offense? Do they go defense? We know they're probably going to go line, but there are some people out there that say they could go corner. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, talking NFL draft. Now, we have the Kuiper versus Mock, or Kuiper versus McShay Mock. Uh, I used to call him McSham, but he's been doing much better recently. And, uh, I, you know, the weird thing is, you know, all along, all off season, it's been about Aiden Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson, being the number one pick, and that's that was kind of where everybody was going. And you literally look, and I mean literally, look at every single mock draft except for one or two of them out there, and they all have the Jaguars taking Trayvon Walker, the uh, the very, very talented and athletic defensive end from Georgia with the number one overall pick. Now, I'm not saying it's the wrong pick. I'm not saying that the Jaguars are doing themselves a disservice by, by picking Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson. I think Aiden Hutchinson is the better player. I think a lot of people are looking at the recency of his performance against Alabama and the fact that he was ineffective in that game and was essentially taken out of, uh, you know, well, Michigan as a whole was taken out of, uh, taken out of everything. I'm sorry, uh, Georgia, not not Alabama, Georgia, the Georgia game. Um, you know, taken out of, uh, you know, out of complete, you know, any kind of effectiveness at all. Um, in that game, Georgia obviously showed that they were a great football team, and I'm not going to rule over one guy's career uh, based on one stinking game. He had himself a phenomenal career at Michigan, and given you know the way that he is, the, you know the kind of person that he is, I feel like he's the safest and the best pick in this draft. And if the Jaguars want to go with Trayvon Walker, a guy whose athleticism uh, you know, is is really, really high, and they feel like maybe his ceiling is better, great. I just I have a hard time going with a guy over, you know, over Aiden Hutchinson in Trayvon Walker who had nine and a half sacks and 13 TFLs in his entire three-year college career. Like, that's it. Like, where's your production? <laughs> uh, you know, at some point, you have to start looking at the numbers at the production you can't just say well his hand size is this and he had a standing long jump of this and he ran a four six forty and blah blah you can't you have to put that stuff away and you have to say what did he do in the games how effective was he on a football field for 60 minutes and to have an entire three-year career in the sec and he's played a ton of minutes he started every game the last two seasons at georgia uh, every game but one in the last two seasons at Georgia, to have nine and a half sacks and 13 TFLs and one fumble, uh, one forced fumble in three years? Like, Aiden Hudson did all that in half a year in, you know, in his most recent season in Michigan. So at some point, you have to start looking at 
what did he actually do when the clock was running, when, you know, when, when things mattered, as opposed to being a workout warrior? I mean, we, we've seen get, teams get in trouble with this before. We've seen teams draft, you know, these, these combine, you know, stars and these workout, you know, gurus and stuff that, you know, they're athletically, they're off the chart. Well, okay, they're a great athlete, and they will continue to do all kinds of cool things on Instagram the rest of their life. But in, in the game of football, you have to play the game. Like, it's not, it's not a track meet. It's not a bench press, you know, competition. It's none of that stuff. It's the game of football. So... If, if in fact, the Jacksonville Jaguars do select Trayvon Walker with the number one overall pick, which is basically what everybody's predicting except for, like, one or two guys. One guy has them taking Derek Stingley. I would be shocked if Derek Stingley goes number one overall in the draft. Um, but then that means that the Detroit Lions are getting the most obvious pick in the history of the NFL draft. And I mean as far as, like, fit and finish and location and proximity. I mean, all these things, Aiden Hutchinson checks every single box for the Detroit Lions, every single one. Like, if it, the reasons you draft people, there's a 100 things on that list, probably. Let's, let's just say, let's say there's a 100, just to keep it an even number. Uh, it's something we can all, you know, equate to. If, if you were saying, okay, a first-round pick needs to check off 75% of the boxes, 70% of the boxes, whatever. You have a lot of stuff lower on your on your list of priorities and things like that. Things like, oh, he was born in the state that we play in, or his dad played for us, or whatever. Aiden Hudson checks 100 of the 100 boxes on the list for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> like, it, it's all there. So you may see the fastest pick in the history of the NFL draft coming up tonight if the Jaguars take Trayvon Walker number one overall, because the Lions will be running, running, card in hand, with Aiden Hudson's name written on it to the podium saying, here you go, please read this off, thank you. That's the way it should be. Now, after that is when things get real different, because McShay and Kuyper both have Walker and Hudson going 1-2. Then Mel has the Texans taking Icky Equinu, the offensive tackle from uh, NC State, who has emerged as the the, the favorite uh, offensive tackle in this draft. Still, I say what you will. I still like Evan Neal. I, I just I think a guy that's that size is you know he's going to be hard to get around in you know in the NFL at six eight three hundred and sixty five pounds, and he can move. And I know that he's not as polished of a of a uh, of a pass blocker. Uh, you know, he's he's a good run blocker, obviously. He's not as polished as a pass blocker. Tell me, I mean, when was the last time you saw an Alabama? I mean, obviously, they've had coaching problems, I think, at the offensive line. They they have not coached up their offensive line. It's taken years for Alabama offensive linemen in the NFL to emerge into a, a, a good player. A lot of times, they've moved positions. And Evan Neal may end up a, a great right tackle in this league. Who knows? But I just I feel like he's still the best tackle in this league or in this draft. But Mel Kuyper has uh, Icky Equinu going number three overall to the Texans. And McShay has, who I think will go number three overall, Derek Stingley, going to the Houston Texans. Then the New York Jets, McShay has Icky Equinu going there. And Mel Kuyper has Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, the corner from Cincinnati, going there, number four overall. I agree with Mel on this one. I think that both corners are going to go 3-4. I think that you're going to go edge, edge, okay? Walker, Hutchinson, flip-flop, you know, whatever whatever 
order they go in, you're going to get edge rusher, edge rusher. Those two guys are the first two taken off the board. Then I think you get Derek Stingley going number three, and then I think you get Sauce Gardner going number four. And that tells you everything you need to know about the status of the NFL <laughs> as it stands right now. The first four players taken off the board in this year's NFL draft, I think, will be edge rusher, edge rusher, corner, corner. Not quarterback this year because quarterbacks are garbage this year. I don't want to say, I, I say garbage. I'm sorry about that. No, I don't mean not garbage. They're just it, There's no clear-cut franchise booster at quarterback this year. And that's okay. I mean, not every year is going to churn out the best, you know, the, uh, you know, the best prospect. 1997. Jim Druckenmiller was the first quarterback taken 26th overall. It was the latest in, in NFL history that uh, a quarterback has been taken number one. They could challenge that this year. I mean, it, it could be challenged this year. Where does the first quarterback be, get taken? Uh, Mel believes it's going to be number 19, I believe. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got uh, Kenny Pickett going 19 to the Saints, and then he's got Malik Willis going 20th overall to the Steelers. McShay has uh, Malik Willis also going 20th to the Steelers as his first quarterback off the board. Now, there are some people out there, there are some experts out there that believe that there's a possibility that all the quarterbacks survived until pick number 32, and then some team will jump into the first round to, to, to select the first quarterback. I don't know if it's going to be quite that drastic, but the lack of quarterback sizzle in this draft is going to be very prevalent tonight. Very prevalent. And we're going to see it all throughout this NFL draft, the 2022 NFL draft, because day two and day three are going to be full of, you know, other you know, offensive linemen and wide receivers and corners and safeties and defensive tackles. And eh, where's, where's the quarterbacks? Where are the quarterbacks going? Now, I don't think the Panthers will draft a quarterback in the first round. Neither will a lot of teams. <laughs> you know, I, I think the Panthers are like, look, we're just going to stick with what we got for right now. I think they're going to go get – they'll probably get Evan Neal or, you know, whoever they deem is the best offensive tackle in this draft, whether it be uh, if Iki Equinu is available, if Charles Cross is available, whatever. It, it'll be one of those three guys for the Panthers. I don't think they draft a, a quarterback. The Atlanta Falcons, I don't think they draft a quarterback. The Seattle Seahawks – now, Pete Carroll tweeted out, I think it was yesterday, with the hashtag, what was it, NFL Draft Secrets or something like that, or NFL Draft Smoke. It was something like that. He was, he was playing with us. And it was a picture of a giant plate of Skyline Chili, which is absolutely 100% delicious, by the way. And you got to get the real Skyline. Don't get, don't get the also ranch. Don't get the, you know, oh, we have chili too. No, no. Got to get Skyline. It was a picture of him at Skyline, or a picture of a giant bowl of, uh, of Skyline chili, meaning that one of the Cincinnati players was going to be taken. Whether they believe that Sauce Gardner is going to be available at number nine, I don't think so. Or whether they're looking at Desmond Ritter in this NFL draft, which I don't think they should, because <laughs> let me tell you folks, Desmond Ritter, if you, if you look at the you look at like the the metrics and things like that on him and his time at uh, in college in Cincinnati. He was bad when it came down to third and long, like not good decision making on third and long and third and obvious and stuff, and wasn't very good in the red zone either. Now I have a philosophy, and this philosophy has started to grow a little bit. And I, look, this is this is not mine. Okay, this is a philosophy that I have adopted as my as you know 
a philosophy that I will also follow that was adapted and adopted, if you will, by a, a friend of mine who used to work in an NFL front office, worked in two different NFL front offices in the NFC West uh, for the better part of a decade. And in, in their assessment of college quarterbacks, you know, it was a difficult time for them because the college game was changing so rapidly and Rich Rodriguez's offense was kind of taking over and things in, in the way that they ran spread and hurry up and no huddles and stuff like that. It was hard to start. It was hard to, to really assess what a quarterback looked like. So they narrowed it down to three things that happen in college that are most like what you see in the NFL. And it tells you why or how a quarterback will transition into the NFL. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, so when when trying to assess whether a quarterback, but there are certain colleges who run pro-style offenses. Like when you watched Andrew Luck at Stanford, you're like, uh, okay, yes. I, I recognize what he's doing. I recognize what it looks like as it transitions to the NFL game. He should be the number one overall pick. That's the easiest, one of the easiest number one overall picks in the history of the NFL draft. Easy. How do you assess a guy like Lamar Jackson, you know, you know, a player like that who works in that kind of an offense? Well, something I learned several years ago from this very, you know, wise and talented uh, front office member who worked as, a, as the the assistant general manager in two separate NFC West uh, buildings. And he, he told me that what they looked at were three things. They want to look at how does – when does the gimmick go away at college? Okay, they, they want to see – they want to extract all of those moments when you play your gimmicky offense. They call them gimmicks in the NFL because they hate the college game. <laughs> so these gimmicky offenses, okay – when you take those moments away, that's what they want to look at. So they want to look at third and obvious passing downs. Okay, so third and long, you know, third and eleven, third and twelve, third and thirteen, or fourth and you know seven, fourth and nine, things like that. Okay, obvious passing downs where the defense knows they're going to be throwing the football, where they have to get rid of their gimmicky type of offense, and they have to actually like run like real NFL plays. Okay, so that's one of them they look at. They want to know what the red zone looks like because you have to throw out a lot of that gimmicky stuff that you run you know, between the 20s when you get into the red zone and the windows get tighter and the defenses are loading up on bigger players, less athletic players are looking, loading up at bigger players to take up more space, eat up the offensive line. Okay, this is you know, more of an NFL-style defense that you're looking at as well. So they look at that. And the third thing that they wanted to look at were at the time, as they called it, play extensions. We call them now off-schedule plays. Okay, At what point does that player decide that the journey's over? Okay, Stop going through your progressions, if you have any progressions in that offense. Stop going through your progressions and move. Okay, Either move yourself to a position where you can either see better, get yourself a better angle on a receiver downfield, or move to gain yardage. Okay, So those are the three aspects that they look at um, or that they were looking at at least, at, at least these two teams were, I can tell you that much. I can't speak for the other 30 teams in the NFL, but I know that these two teams were, and I'm pretty sure the other 30 teams were doing it as well. So if you look at that, that's going to tell you, in my opinion, that'll tell you, and, and over the years this is how I've assessed 
my quarterbacks going into the NFL draft when I've been ranking them and all this other stuff. If you base it on that information, okay, you also want to take into effect into account because of the way that uh, that college football is is built nowadays. You want to see how well guys play against the top of you know the best talent. Who's recruiting the best talent? Okay, find those teams and then find when that quarterback played against those teams. Based on that, okay, based on those metrics, the quarterback in this draft that I think will have the best NFL career, and it's not great, okay, it's not projecting very highly, but the quarterback that I think who is the, the going to have the best potential career based on what we've seen in college is Sam Howell, North Carolina. He played really well in the, against the best defenses. He always had his best game. His best game last year was against Notre Dame. His second best was against Florida State. And don't tell me Florida State was crap. They still recruit like crazy down there. So I think Sam Howell's the best quarterback prospect in this draft. I know Malik Willis has a huge high ceiling, but I like Sam Howell because I just think he's the most perfectly fit. All right. We still got hour number two. Quick two-minute two turnaround here. Stay tuned to 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXC HD4 Tucson.